the feeling that the, the feeling that I had to when I was younger and identified worth with those completely gone. Like he's numb to it. He doesn't feel it. Right? Hmm. Is that hard for you? Yeah. Welcome to How Come Why, where I try to get simple answers to complicated questions. I'm Joseph. This is set one. Let's do it. Hello to listeners. <laughs> I'm Joseph. Welcome to How Come Why. Uh, this is the first episode of my podcast where we attempt to get simple answers to complicated questions. Um, I'm joined by my friend Nas. Nas, what uh, what qualifies you to speak on the subject we're discussing today? Um, pretty simple. Uh, I spent a lot of money on shoes and I spent <laughs> a lot of time finding how to get them, where to get them, uh, and understanding the history of them. So uh, it's been about 25 years now from my first infatuation with a uh, with tennis shoe. And um, I mean, I, I think it's pretty good. I mean, I put my 10,000 hours in um, understanding <laughs> the tennis shoe culture. So. I would say achieve that expert status. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, awesome. So so the question we'll be, we're discussing today uh, Nas, how come why tennis shoes? How come why? Um, the, the first, I, I guess the first piece would be um, nostalgia. You know, that just played a, a huge portion, you know, growing up and not having the things that you wanted. Uh, in the neighborhoods I grew up in, you know, the, the affluential people, or the people who did well, they had nice tennis shoes. Uh, the people we looked up to, Michael Jordan, all those, you know, those, those basketball stars that had great tennis shoes and I looked at my feet and they weren't so great. And, and I, I guess psychologically, it kind of, you know, made me feel like I was lacking a bit, you know? So I mm -hmm. couldn't have those shoes and I got older and I'm like, I got a big paycheck. So uh, I want those shoes. Um, <laughs> so so uh, that's kind of the how come and why. That's kind of how it started is, you know, uh, just wanting the things that I couldn't have as a child. What was the uh, what was the first pair of shoes that you were really excited to get? Jeez, oh, dude. <laughs> dude. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> um, funny story. So, so Deion Sanders is a football. He was a, a football and baseball player. He mm -hmm. played for the Atlanta Braves and he played for the Atlanta Hawks, right? And he had some some tennis shoes that came on. They were called Diamond Turf, Diamond like baseball, Turf like football. And uh, I wanted these damn shoes so bad, right? Um, and I lived with my mom, my stepdad, and they didn't do really well. But you know. I didn't really have a relationship with my, my, my real dad until I was about 10. And it was about the time of the shoot. So I met my, my, my real father and, and we connected, we reconnected rather. And um, one of the first things he did was he bought me those, those shoes. <laughs> the diamond um, turf shoes. Oh my God. And, and I just felt, I, I remember the first thing I did when I got them, I like kissed the bottom. Cause I hopefully, you know, <laughs> walking in that, I'm like, I'm, I'm like 11 years old. I'm like, like, you know, they, they were such a big deal. I just remember a couple people at my school, they were, you know, they were a little cooler because they had them. And I know it sounds so, so weird, but I mean, we're talking about some truth and, and I, and I know a lot of people who feel like I feel, um, but that was the first one, man. Deion Sanders, diamond turf. They was all white with, with red, uh, and black highlights. Um, that was the first shoe that I was absolutely in love with. I, I wore those shoes for three years. Um, they were really expensive and I wasn't getting any more. So, 
I kept like some paint and when I got scuffed up and yeah, so I was known in school as a guy with the beyond. But that's a part of it, you know, the, the sharing part, you know, mm-hmm. the eyeballs that kind of look in and look at your feet like, oh yeah. You know, it, like people with watches, you know, people who are watch people, they look at wrists, you know? Um, I mean, it's in these idiosyncrasies exist in every little niche community. Right. But for us, it's something about that, you know, you know, look at your shoe and, and or be a little point, man, I, 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 I see them, you know, right. so yeah. it's, it's funny. I, I feel like part of it, what, what seems like it sets it apart a little bit for me than like maybe a regular collector. I mean, you're talking about like watches and, you right. know, I see hats, but I also, you know, like baseball cards and right. I played Magic the Gathering for a long time and there's a lot of people that really enjoy collecting very special cards and that, but like shoes, I, I don't know, it just feels very like a very physical thing to right. want to collect. like. Hmm. Do, you, do you feel that like a, a little um, bit of difference between you and other like collector kind of people? Oh, absolutely not. Like, like at that, this like... point, at this point, no. Like I, I think they're really, really, I think they're really similar at this point. Okay. You know, like is even levels to collecting baseball cards, right? You mm-hmm. can have a great card and I can have a great card, but I understood the value of my card. So immediately when I got my Babe Ruth card, I put it inside a case and didn't get the <laughs> right. corner. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The other guy wanted to go and show everybody and bend his corners all up and let his friends touch it. He got fingerprints all over it. And uh, both are still really valuable. But, you know, the one who understood the value first, you know, can kind of save it. And it's the same thing with shoes, you know. Uh, that's why, you know, people who grab them and, and wear them, you kind of run them down. They still have some type of value. But, as you kind of get my age is the point I was trying to get to. You get my age is my, uh, I'd like the shoe and I know I'm going to hold the value. So how do you, how do you like calculate value of a, of a pair of shoes? Is it just like rarity and demand? Like how does that work? So, so, I mean, myself personally, but how the market, uh, how the market dictates it is, is demand, um, exclusivity, the shoe itself from the brand or the partnership, however the shoe was kind of created. Um, and the close you can get to it being brand new. Right. And those Mm -hmm. are like three different factors and it's still, it's still a relatively new space for collectibles. Cause I think, you know, our generation, you know, or the, and younger, the millennials are kind of like guiding and shaping it. So it's a, it's a, a new, I don't say brand new, but it's a new thing. So we have apps now and, and you know that that determine some value. We have new websites that that help maintain the trading. Where now we can connect people who have a pair of shoes to the person who wants it, and and they kind of gauge it by those those three or four different things. Um, I go and get some, you know, find some exclusive shoes that took me, you know, two weeks to to get. You know, and I I'll, sure. I get them, and you know, me and my sons, we, we're walking around. We go inside shoe stores, and the people who are selling the shoes stop and they're like where the hell did you get those and i'm like uh, i i tell you i have to kill you um, <laughs> we talked about this a little bit uh last time but like you know i i didn't grow up in a particularly affluent household my, my parents had eight kids and so we had food stamps and, and we had st- like donations from the church and stuff like that and so like i i i personally didn't grow up with with much excess you know, thinking about the the social aspect of maybe looking on the outside like you have a little extra. 
you know, like growing up in a, in a, in a place where you don't have a lot of expendable income, that kind of becomes a symbol of a person who does have <laughs> expendable right. income. And we attach a lot of that to right. like our personal value. Right. Sure. Are, is there, is there any part of you that is like chasing a little bit of that and like looking for that kind of validation or. I think that's a really, that's a really, you know, it's a really deep question. And I, to be honest, I don't know if, if I've internalized it enough to be able to give a fair <laughs> question because to be honest is sure. Like, I mean, to what level? Not sure, but, but I, but th this is the weird balance for me is I, I grew up similar to how you said, so it's six kids inside my mom's house and, and she, we had a stepdad and, and, and food stamps, the whole nine, a really, really similar place. Right. Now I have a lot of disposable income. And, you know, and I do really well in life and I like tennis shoes. Mm -hmm. I see them, I buy them and I really have some money to do it, you know? And, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you understand, know like, and I, not from that place. I'm like, uh, yeah. And uh, I look at, I look at my shoe collection. I'm like, all right, you know, maybe $8,000, right? It, what is that in a context to worth? Right. Mm -hmm. Like if I was looking for tennis shoes to be the validation for my wealth to other people, it really wouldn't be much. Right. You know, right. I can go and, and, and become an equestrian and have a stable full of horses and, and you come with your tennis shoe collection. Right. So. So, I mean, <laughs> to, to, to that regard, I could imagine if I was younger, when I was younger, it meant a lot more to me from from a status place than it does then. you know, my goals and aspirations are so much further than, you know, to be validated by tennis shoes. But uh, but I do appreciate um, the, the rareness of getting them. So it's not even the right. price because I, I take pride. I, I only buy the tennis shoes that I hunt for. It's, it's something about the digging part to me that kind of that kind of speaks more to it. Anyway, I know yeah. I know I'm on a tangent. No, that's but, great. Uh, that, that's so, exactly what I was looking for with that question. Okay. So that, um, okay, well, that, that was a really good question, though. You know, you, you <laughs> made me kind of look, look back in a little bit more. I'm like, oh, am I measuring myself about my tennis shoe collection? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe so. But I'm like, this, this is a poor measuring tool. You know, and, and it's only like, like, like you, you don't, you know, tennis shoes wasn't a big thing to you at all, right? Like, something you probably never even, you know, considered. Like, so the, the, the people whom you get to, you know, be puffy for is, is <laughs> it's small, such a small right? group of people. Right? A, I think it's absolutely fair to say a piece, a piece of, of me somewhere is like, uh, yeah, look at me now. Right. Like to some degree, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I just said, I hope it's not, not a ton, you know, sure. the, the people right. where I'm from who, who would actually be impressed by that are the people who I want to help and influence and not make feel, you know, lesser, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, but I do have a story about about my son and how we kind of got into collecting together too, yeah. um, and that kind of helps tell the story of, of where I am with it now. So yeah, go for it. Tell me tell me the story. I love to hear. Yeah. So so again, it, fell in love with with shoes and couldn't always afford them. Even as an adult, couldn't afford to you know have the disposable income to you know buy two hundred dollar pair of shoes. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's still that's still pretty pretty excessive. So. You know, my sons, I have two sons, one's 17, one's 10. And as my son got older and older and older and older and older, 
he started to care about his clothes. Right. And I started to care about his clothes. I'm like, uh, this is getting really expensive, you know? So <laughs> I buy a couple pairs of shoes here, a couple pairs of shoes there, and he's playing in them and running in them. So okay. when we started to wear the same size, I'm like, uh, I can kind of get a couple wears out of those shoes too, right? right? So my way of thinking, I'm like, you know what? I'll just start to buy, you know, cheap shoes, you know, like comfortable shoes that weren't that expensive. I'll just buy a lot of them so he can't mess them up really, really bad. <laughs> and next thing you know, I have this like 20 pair of shoes, right? And then COVID hit. So it's like, uh, crap, we got 20 pair of shoes and neither of us has worn them, right? So he's <laughs> not going back to school and they just like stockpiling in my room and I'm like, crap. And then uh, my feet started to hurt just from just walking around like flip-flops. And I just know getting a little bit older and I've done a lot of extra activity. I just started to do research on great shoe technology from Nike to Adidas, some of the new technology they're using. I said, let me, I, I wonder, you know, what they look like or what they feel like with all the technology. Right. And as I got into it, I'm like, they feel incredible. You're like, they were expensive, but I just started buying more. My son says that, do you know that shoe that you bought yesterday is worth $400 today? And you bought it for 180 yesterday. I'm like, the hell out of here, you know? So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to, you know, to his, uh, his little track events and I'm watching the younger crowd with the same shoes that I have on. <laughs> um, um, I'm like, uh, you know, this old man is into it anyway. You're, so you're in the world now, that's I'm the in the world. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even realize it. It started so many different ways and then, and then it reignited for me. You know, I watch my son enjoy, you know, our shoe collection and, and comfort and all these things. And I'm like, wow, like it pulled me back to that high school moment. And I'm like, Oh crap. It's, Issues that I remember from my childhood that I still want. I can go get those too. Right. And then it's just a wormhole and it just connected me back. And I went to find those old Deion Sanders shoes and the old Michael Jordan shoes. And yeah, the rest is history. Like now it's just, I mean, it, it probably affected, I, 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 it absolutely affected all areas of my life again. Cause I'm like, I'm cool again. You know, I'm walking around. I'm cool, <laughs> you know? But, but I, again, I was so far away from that world. That was, you know, that was my youth, right? So to go out and get those reactions, it just pulled me back to, you know, this younger me with the big paycheck. So I'm like, crap, mm -hmm. like I can, I can, if I can't experience it like this, my son can. And, and that weird part happened too, right? I'm like, yeah, it's freaking a hundred pair of shoes, you know, inside, inside our storage room. So you're, you, you talked a little bit about, um, when we talked last time about how, you're, you got your wife on board with talking a little bit about, you know, the, the investment aspect of it. Right. So tell me a little bit about that. How did, how did that work? How did that conversation happen between you and your wife? Um, yeah. So again, like I said, when I started, my wife and I, we've been together 20 years. We never had a lot. And as of recently, maybe the last 10 years, my career has just taken off and some opportunities have come. So, you know, we're still really cautious. So buying those, the cheaper shoes were okay. So when I started to buy the more expensive shoes, it was like, uh, okay, what are we doing? Um, what, what's expensive uh, in this context? So for, for tennis shoes, maybe 250 bucks are pretty expensive. Okay. Right? So maybe I, I was maybe finding shoes on sale for 50 bucks, right? That, that I, I, I waited, they may have come out and they might've been, you know, $150 when they came out, but I just took my time, waited, Caught a sale, got them for 50 bucks. And that was a rush for me. I'm like, crap, I gotta, 
I got a great deal, right? I got a great deal on shoes that I really like. And, and when I started to see how much money these shoes were worth after people have worn them, I didn't understand it myself. Mm. So now I'm like, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an investor too, you know? So it's like a twofold. So I went to my wife, I'm like, sweetheart, look, this is what they're going for. You don't believe me? I'll take you up the street right now to some consignment shops and they're charging three times as much, you know, for the same right. pair of shoes I have that I just liked, right? So so now I, I, I proved a pretty decent business model to my wife. I'm like, hey, when it's all said and done, I've fought that battle so she doesn't even hesitate. And I'm like, at worst, I'll go and sell everything. Uh, my son even started to get came to me actually about a consignment shop. And another thing it did for him too, and this the feeling that the, the feeling that I had to when I was younger and identified worth with those, completely gone. Like he's numb to it. He doesn't feel it. Right. Mm. Is that hard for you? Like having having been so connected to this and now seeing your son not as emotionally connected? It's the best thing the best thing that I could have ever asked for to come out of it. Um I, I, the same analogy with money. You know, money has it's power, you know, over people and this emotional pull over people. And I think for me too, even with the shoes, they kind of symbolize, you know, some degree of worth and, and being able to buy these things and they, and they not affect me, right? And it took me, you know, doing this at times to lose that detachment to money and the emotion of all this stuff. But for my son to get that now, I applaud it because I wish I would have had that earlier, you know, and that's kind of what, what it's done for me too. So. So I mean, like I said, it's it's so it's it's really it's really deep, and you just you kind of reminded me of how much how much more it is, and just you know, the collecting the shoes, you know. How do you how do you reconcile the idea that from the outside somebody might consider your your hobby, your collection, sort of materialistic? I think if if we all become a little more introspective, we'd all be able to point those areas out in ourselves, right? Mm. Like like for me, it may be tennis shoes. You know, for you, you mentioned about the career and having the right job or going to right. the right school or having the right friends or marrying the right wife is we all are kind of looking for that, that, you know, that validation, that worth thing, because some little piece of you is still kind of connected to it. Um, for me, growing up not having enough, you know, so I got to a place where, you know, I had more than enough, you know, the hobby is like a byproduct of the hard work, right? Like, right. Uh, it doesn't hurt. It, it broke something for me. It let me know that we're okay. You know, the fear part is kind of, kind of left, you know, it's like, no guys, you guys aren't, you're not going to buy a pair of shoes and be poor tomorrow. Right. You know, right. like, and for her to be like, oh, oh, those boxes are piling up, not what are you doing? The bills aren't paid. Right. It's, it's a far different cry, you know, so. But it sounds like it's a little bit of like a symbol of the safety net that y'all have built for yourselves. That's fair to say. Like it's, it, you know, I, I just think in my head, like I could sell those shoes if I wanted to, you know, I could, I could get the money out that I've put into this if I want to, you know. Same thing with the house, right? Like, right. Yeah. It, I mean, a piece of the wisdom too, like it, like for, and, and, and I thought, you mentioned something great from the outside looking in, right? So everybody may not have the story that I have, right? Everybody didn't have the, the, the lane that I have. So outside looking in, it may look frivolous. And mm -hmm. if it didn't make sense, my wife would not trust me. 
Mm-hmm. It would not be something that we get to dedicate an entire room to almost. I mean, and not, we didn't even mention the, you know, the social part of it from my end, you know, the, the, the hip hop community, the, the culture I grew up with, the African-American community, all that stuff is really tied into what it represents. Um, and, and, and that's even deeper and richer. I, I do want to hit on that because I know we've got just a little bit of time left. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about this in advance and it doesn't right. make the, the question any more comfortable for me. Sure. Um, and so for anyone listening who doesn't know me, I'm a 25 year old white dude <laughs> who lives in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest. So, right. but like part sure. of me feels like there's an extra layer of distance f- for me being white sure. to the shoe community. Right. Why, why do you think that is, or is that justified? Like, I, I guess is, is maybe a broader question. Like, sure. where does that come from? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I mean, yeah. So, so this, this, this is another story. So, um, and this has come from some, some research, some study I did just on some of our, our culture and, and why we wear fancy flashy clothes and, and things like that. So, so, uh, you know, in, slavery days and times like that or even you know up closer um the only day that slaves were able to to not work was sundays everybody was at the same scale we are all servants for someone right we're all our lives are so it was no way to measure yourselves outside of a very few things one happened to be close so they'd wear their fanciest clothes on Sunday and go and say, hey, well, look at me. I'm somebody. What happens when you take away somebody's worth? So for African-American people, uh, the clothing inside, you know, churches were a very big thing. And me washing up, like me growing up, I've watched that culture be multiplied, right? I, you go to church, you go to African-American church on Sunday. I mean, it carried over. So like like I kept saying before, like it's, it's no way that I can dismiss that whatever was placed there from there, but I can imagine some form of that still exists in us presenting ourselves outwardly, at least to each other, so that you know, hey, you're like, you're dealing with somebody different. What happens when they look like? They'll they'll try their best to project it outward, right? Mm-hmm. And, and separate themselves from everybody else, especially if they feel that intrinsic, you know, that value, hey, how do I show it? Um, what makes you any different from anybody else, right? And those little teeny things separated it, you know? There's, there's something about people being in big groups together, wanting to sort of establish some semblance of who's in charge, sure. right? Or, or who is at the top and who's at the bottom. Sure. But, but the idea that, that clothing could actually even be the outward symbol of, of your status, your, right. your, your set-apartness a right. little bit. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of foreign to me. It's, it's, it's a little, I just remember being a child looking at the people who had things and they weren't putting this thing on to say, Hey, look at me. I have, I'm, I'm rich. You know, some of them at least were putting on because that's what they like. That's what they appreciated. That's the things that they like. And I, as a child look like, that's nice. I like that. And that person looks different from me. You know, so it, it bleeds through and everything. So yeah. So this will be uh, my my last question, just to sure just thing. to close out. And yeah. um, how does you pursuing shoes mm. help you become the person that you want to be? 
I don't know if it's the pursuing of shoes that does it or the fact that I can lets me know that I'm in a place that I need to be. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So it, it's, it, it's not, the, it's not the shoes. It's the fact that I can do the shoes, you know, I'm like, yeah, mom, I made it, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's that moment for me. And it's a ton of other things, but this is just a, a small piece, you know? Um, so like I said, it's, it's not the pursuing that makes me better. The fact that I can reminds me that I'm, I'm doing better. Thanks for listening. Check out the other four episodes of Set One here. You can reach out to me at howcomewhypodcast at gmail.com, at howcomewhycast, or r slash howcomewhy.